it's Dr. Sandy Laura Kramer, one of the surgeons here at Visionary Eye Doctors, and we're in the year 2023, and we're going to talk about all the treatments available to most doctors and surgeons for dry eye pain and symptoms. And so many of you have seen my other videos and podcasts or have been with me for many years and know about this crazy stepladder roadmap sheet that has technically all the tools available in pretty much most of the country, if not world. And we're going to go through this because there's a couple of new additions to 2023. So please don't forget to pass this on to your friends and family. And please don't forget to subscribe. That really means a lot to us because it helps us provide information for patients free of charge, of course, in terms of these videos and podcasts that we do. So most of us with age are getting older and getting dry eye symptoms. I know I am. I know a lot of my friends are. And that's part of aging, genetics, if you have rosacea, screen time, previous refractive surgery, Accutane, autoimmune disease, uh, other things like uh, contact lens use and Demodex can make eyes more dry. And so a lot of what we're going to talk about are things you can do to prevent dry eye, but of course want to treat it as well. So this sheet, as well as a new sheet that we've talked about, I give this to patients when they come in, are trying to break down this information, which used to be small in terms of treatment options. Now we have a whole plethora of options. So we have that sheet and now this one also that kind of tries to break it down in terms of all the tools in the world. And so these two here have a lot of information and I'm going to just go through the key points. So the two paths we use to try to get you better is number one is to slow down the meibomian gland atrophy, which we can now finally image. You've seen my videos probably or heard my podcast on the meibomian gland atrophy we can see on mybography. So the oil gland should look like these white lines filled with oil. And as we get older, everything dries up and we can actually image the eyelid to show patients their oil glands for the first time in history. It's come out about seven years ago now. And so we can follow patients over time to see how quickly the oil is drying up. This is crucial for children. It's crucial for pretty much everybody that's on screens more than four hours a day. Our paper we published in the American Journal of Ophthalmology in 2021 is showing, uh, we haven't published this part yet, but we think it's a diagnostic indicator for autoimmune disease. So if you have somebody that you're concerned about might have an autoimmune disease, or you have dryness as potentially the first sign of Sjogren's syndrome, rheumatoid arthritis, uh, lupus, um, any type of polymalgia rheumatica, or thyroid disease even, or patients with graft-versus-host, Stevens-Johnson's, sometimes dry eyes will be the first symptoms because these oil glands are so sensitive. So that's the beauty of these glands. So if somebody comes in, as I've talked about before my podcast, and their oil mybography uh, picture shows very little oil glands left, and they're not a computer programmer, they're never on screens, they're often a concern for us for autoimmune disease. So we'll do a big, big workup on that. Okay, so that's the first path. The second path is to get rid of symptoms. So patients can have all kinds of symptoms of dry eyes, reflex tearing, burning, uh, pain, redness, itching can be a sign of dryness, blurry vision or poor vision. Uh, people have had headaches from dry eyes, twitching of the eyelid, migraines that just kind of get out of control. Those are some of the key symptoms. And the biggest fear is, of course, pain and vision loss. And we've seen that from dry eyes also. So that's what we're trying to prevent. So I show these patients this kind of crazy sheet so people can know where they are in this roadmap. And so they can feel there is hope because, as I mentioned before, when I was in Boston at Harvard, we only had a few options. Now we have 23, 24 options. So I'm going to go through some of these so you can kind of understand what to expect. And so I tell patients the key path 
is both saving the glands and helping with the symptoms. There's only really three or four ways to save the glands. The most important on that sheet is the warm compress routine, heat. You've heard me talk about our wonderful wizard dry eye mask, which I think I have here somewhere. I love this um, dry eye mask. It looks like this. I plug it in next to my bed. There's also one called Aroma. Uh, in my experience, this wizard lasts longer, and the wizard will give you a one-year warranty that will replace it for free, which I really appreciate. The Aroma, for me, I had to replace it one year. I think it was three or four years ago before the pandemic, before COVID. I think I had to replace it twice or three times in a year, and I was like, that's it. I'm done with the Aroma, but I like it. It does work, but I think the wizard's a better product, and in terms of the warranty, it works better. So that's what I do. So wash your face is number one within this first step warm compresses 15 minutes of heat wet heat or dry heat anything with heat massaging up or down side to side there's not great studies on whether wet heat or dry heat is better some studies say wet heat is better uh, when I wash my hands I wash my eyes some doctors say that water is not good for the eyes too much on the eyelid can be chafing so you have to be careful with your skin too much heat can be chafing. Some people get really red with heat, so they might need cold afterwards after you do the heat because heat is the only way to open the orifice of the gland. And cold is for things like swelling, itching, uh, pain, um, pretty much that's it. So heat and then cold for some patients. And then finding a product that you can use to clean your eyelids. If you're a woman, take off makeup or so forth. So either trying to get rid of the Demodex mites that we all get from time to time on our eyelashes. These mites are real mite just like a bacteria is a real bacteria. These mites we see under the microscope, and we just want to clear it away from the eyelids because they will destroy the glands. And so there's numerous products. My favorite ones are Avanova, which I put in the refrigerator during allergy season for some of my kids. It seems to work for that as well. Or Optase wipes. Uh, I've used diluted tea tree oil. I have videos on how I use diluted tea tree oil. And briefly, my favorite way, if I'm really starting to get a sty or I really am feeling my eyes really heavy or crusty, I'll take a bottle of tea tree oil, tip it over, and then whatever's in that top, which is almost nothing, I'll take my finger, put it in some, wet it with a little bit of water. Sometimes I don't even have time to do that. Or a Q-tip and then just clean the inside of that top and then use that with my finger to just gently clean my eyelids next to the sink, leave it on for about a minute or so, and then wash it off because sometimes it burns my, my lids. Tea tree oil is not meant to be put in your eye. It is meant to be diluted before it goes anywhere near the eyelashes, but I'm busy, I'm sure you're busy, and that's the way I kind of do it because it makes it faster. Some people prefer the wipes, and I used to cut the wipes into little pieces because they're so big and they can be expensive, but that works well. So I have a list of all of the favorite treatments we do, and then once your symptoms are kind of back to normal, you can do your usual routine of diluted baby shampoo if your skin is not sensitive, or some people will use a type of Optase uh, wipe or an OcuSoft wipe that has a little bit of tea tree oil or Avanova, or one of those products that help clean the eyelids. If you want to get better faster, or if you have a sty, then we almost always give an ointment. And the ointments have two categories, steroid and non-steroid. Sometimes we'll try non-steroids first because we don't like steroids. We love steroids, but we don't want to you know, necessarily use it all the time. Or if somebody has a risk of glaucoma or they are a steroid responder, which means that when we give them uh, steroids, the pressure goes up. Or if they have a cataract or they don't want to risk that, we won't give steroids. But steroids are wonderful to decrease inflammation. So we'll give something called Neopolydexer or Tobradex as the steroid version. And then the non-steroid version is Erythromycin. Bacitracin has been off and on 
being produced since COVID, so it's hard to get. Some people will use coconut oil, medical-grade manuka honey, castor oil. Uh, they'll put it on their eyelids. And the ointment has two purposes. Number one is to kill the mites, suffocate them at nighttime. And number two is to decrease inflammation. And so the natural things like coconut oil, manuka honey, castor oil have a slight anti-inflammatory component and a slight antibacterial component. It's not as strong, we think, as the brand or the, or I should say, the prescription antibiotic. And it's not as strong as the antibiotic and steroid for the inflammatory component, but those three work. So we tier it, usually natural options first. If you've tried that, it doesn't work. Then we'll do the prescription antibiotic. If that doesn't work, we'll do the prescription antibiotic and steroid because that helps. The other ways to slow down the gland loss is we've heard me talk about lipoflow, thermal pulsation. And so again, that's these procedures that go along the eyelid, whether it's heat and pressure or just heat. And then we apply the pressure at the microscope slit lamp. The oil is just going to be heated up. And then as we put that pressure, we're just trying to milk the oil out just like you milk a cow. And so those are FDA approved. They're just not covered by insurance. Most people uh, have it once a year. Some people will have it twice a year if they don't have time to do the warm compresses. I love doing these procedures because they feel so good, especially tear care. I honestly love it. I just don't like the expression because it's so uncomfortable. Lipoflow I like because it's not as uncomfortable with the expression part. Um, but I like tear care because you can see the oil coming out a little bit more, obviously, than Lipoflow. But they work. Ilux is also a good option as well. The second on this category of what we call kind of these innovative options is intense pulse light. And this is something that works very well to decrease inflammation. It's a light that we apply along the eyelid. I'll usually also put one on the upper lid. We usually put a metal contact lens on the surface of the eyeball to protect the inside of the eye. If we use metal goggles on the outside, we'll be very careful to not get too close to the eyeball itself because we want to avoid the risk of inflammation in the eye called uveitis, which we haven't seen a case yet in in this practice, but it's been reported from Bascom Palmer, I think presented their case they, they saw from that. So the intense pulse light is basically not a laser, it's just a light, but the intensity of the light is very effective at decreasing inflammation, liquefying the meibomian, meibomian oil or meibom, uh, opening the orifice and killing demodex mites. So it tightens skin and does other things like tattoo removal, but we use it along the eyelid to get the oil to come out better. And I think it's going to be a game changer for patients going forward because we can do it even at younger ages to kind of keep the oil pumping. The patient patients that can have IPL, if you're very, very dark skin, African-American, very dark African-American, we don't want to do it because it can cause depigmentation. The light can change the melanin in the skin to actually come to the surface and then create kind of these white blanches. We have only had one patient that had that so far, and that was a patient that tried everything else and really just wanted us to give it a try because he was so desperate for relief. Uh, he had three IPLs. The third IPL is when he started seeing the pigmentation. The color of his skin was darker than probably, you know, very dark, dark black, actually. So he stopped uh, the IPL, of course, and then we gave him some steroids, and the melanin came back. So it wasn't a permanent damage, but it was, a, it was a shocker for everybody because it was the first case we saw in this practice. The risk of, the biggest risk is it doesn't help, or there's not enough oil coming out, and we have to do probing. The risk of inflammation in the eyes rare, as I mentioned. As I mentioned in previous podcasts before, we have one patient who's had now over 30 IPLs. She's a young model. I mean, she's not a model, but she could be because she's so beautiful. Um, she started noticing a little bit of possible 
noticeable decrease in this bag here, a little bit of kind of feeling like there was less fat there. And she noticed it after IPL number 30. So we don't have any data besides that one patient to say, would IPL be dangerous going long term? I don't think so in general. Could IPL be helpful for the bags that women complain of? Maybe, but that's something to consider. So we're trying to space out the IPLs over time because this is a chronic condition. The third of the options here is probing where we take a probe and go into each gland you've heard some of my podcasts on there when we had cannulas we would insert platelet-rich plasma autologous serum steroids we've even inserted stem cells and core blood serum because we're trying to regrow those glands so these are very effective but as we go from lipoflow to intense pulse light which is ipl or my booming gland probing it gets more uncomfortable and more expensive because none of these are covered by insurance and the only two of them that are fda approved is lipoflow and intense pulse light but these are crucial to keep the oil pumping. Uh, so that's what we do in terms of procedures. Everything else on this sheet is for symptom relief. And so I tell patients, please read through number two. There is a podcast specifically labeled, I think, step letter number two, because it goes through these really helpful options such as omega-3, even though the data is really not clear on that. I take omega-3. I feed omega-3 to my kids in terms of chia seeds, walnuts, flax seeds, uh, um, salmon, and so forth. And then low inflammatory diet, trying to go gluten-free, sugar-free, dairy-free, or at least decreasing those, exercise fasting, all those natural things, uh, wrap-around sunglasses, humidifiers, Xena dry-eye goggles. There's one called Seven uh, dry-eye goggles, blinking often, blue light filters, blinking as frequently as you can, taking breaks. Every time you wash your hands, wash your eyes all those natural things which are trying to get that oil to pump out and then of course artificial tears non-preserved are the best because that the preservatives can affect the glands long term so those are the natural things and then we get into the fda approved options well, the first one being restasis which is cyclosporin now there's a generic version so it should be cheaper this takes three months to kick in so a lot of patients don't want to wait three months zydra came out next it takes about three weeks to kick in a lot of insurances don't cover it it can be 900 a day a, um, sorry a month um these both are burn. This one, the zydra sometimes can have a bad taste, so it's important to do punctal occlusion, where when you put the drop in, just put pressure in the corner so the drop stays in the eye longer. And then the last one to come out was called Sequa, which is just a stronger version of the Restasis with a stronger concentration of the cyclosporin. Again, some of these are no longer covered by insurance, so they can be expensive. And then we talk about, of course, doxycycline, which is a pill, anti-inflammatory at 20 milligrams, uh, very low risk of gut flora issues. Some patients just can't take it because they might have a sensitive stomach, but it's rare. We usually won't give it to patients in the summertime because there's a rare risk of uh, sun uh, burn with the doxy, which is rare, but it can happen. And then things like punctal plugs, which is a little cover in the drain that the tear goes into the nose. We can have four locations to put a little kind of little cover over that drain. I compare it to a baby's pacifier that you can just take out usually if it doesn't help or it's uncomfortable or if you have too much tearing. The only risk with punctal plugs is it doesn't help. It falls out. It rarely can get stuck and need resurgery to be removed, which I've not seen happen, but it's been reported. So it's very safe generally. Okay, so those are the most common procedures we do. Now, once nothing is helping, we will use steroids, but we try to avoid steroids. And there's many types of steroids. There's Predforte. The, the lowest dose is things like uh, Latoprenol. This is a brand name. Uh, Lotomax SM or Lotomax. Flarex is a brand name. Alrex. These are all brand names. But the point is that these are just steroids which decrease the mountain of inflammation. When we go up to the higher dose steroids, it does it even better. But your risk of having a pressure spike or glaucoma is higher. Uh, and the risk of cataract as well. So if I tell, I tell patients, try to use the minimum necessary. And we will use other treatments to try to not need steroids as much. But if you find that you're miserable and you need the steroids 
four times a day for two weeks straight. Just come in so we can check your eye pressure and we can kind of guide you how to get off of the steroid. So we love steroids, but they do have risks. The next category is basically the new nasal stimulants, such as Trevia, which is a nasal spray. We'll do another video on that, which you kind of put kind of on the side of the nose and spray it in. It's not like a nasal spray you use like Flomax Flo or any of those. Um, Flonase, sorry, Flonase. It's just a nasal kind of spray, kind of trying to stimulate the trigeminal nerve uh, to create tearing. I'm not a huge fan of this because we have had patients use it properly and they're not they have a lot of sneezing and they're just worried that it's not really helping. But if it's from the stimulation component of it, then it's probably not a bad idea. I just have most of my patients saying it really didn't help. Um, this one is called Tier 100. We'll do a separate video on this soon. Stimulation of the actual similar, similar idea of the fifth cranial nerve that then stimulates the seventh cranial nerve. So the trigeminal to the facial nerve that makes the stimulation caused tearing. And this is basically put right in the corner here, trying to find that right place to make you tear. I've tried this now multiple times and I didn't get a tearing effect yet, but I'll try it again on a separate video. Uh, so that's something to consider. So patients uh, get those prescriptions from their doctor and they can give them a try. Even together might work better. Uh, we haven't had that much success with nose, nose treatments for dry eyes, but if you're really miserable, sometimes they do help because you're willing to try anything. Um, and, they, and they do work for patients, but just consider that. The uh, Trevia, I heard, was very expensive for some patients, so it's uh, costing about $400 a month, especially if you don't have insurance that covers it. And the uh, iTier 100 is $200 for the device, and then you have to pay, I think, a 40, $30 to $40 monthly copay. I'm not sure why they make you do that. Um, it doesn't make sense to me, to be honest, because I suspect that if you just kind of take a Q-tip and stimulate the inside of the nose, you'll get a similar effect. Uh, anyway, that's my personal opinion on that. Okay, so next option here is conjunctival chalasis repair, and that's where there's the clear covering of the white part of the eye, has these folds. Sometimes we have to address that in the future if nothing else is helping. And then we'll mention the biologics, like platelet-rich plasma and autologous serum. We've done a podcast on that before. We draw your blood. We t isolate just your platelets. Those platelets have growth factors that really heal the surface of the eye, and we use it as a drop usually about six to eight times a day and then decrease it as needed. And so that's not only an anti-inflammatory but a healing cell. And then we have Procara contact lens or fresh amniotic membrane where we use an amniotic membrane uh, to basically heal the surface of the eye. We've talked about that before. Testosterone, scleral lenses, Oxervate, Gabapentin, Naltraxone. We have uh, DNase, IVIG, Lacretin, uh, N-acetylcysteine 5%. Those have been also very helpful. Core blood serum has been a big game changer in our practice. We have a lot of patients calling that miraculous because it is helpful to heal the cell. Lid tarsorophy, which requires surgery. We sometimes will use steroid pills, which we try to avoid. And then if you have things like uh, a map dot fingerprint or corneal uh, neuropathy, sometimes we do other procedures to kind of help with the pain. So that's a rough idea of what's going on in 2023. We'll break it down in the next few podcasts. Thank you for joining me and please pass this on. Please subscribe. Please send us your comments and your questions. And thank you to all those patients who have given us suggestions. Have a great day.